Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Womanhood and International Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and today I want to share with you some of the recent highlights of yesterday's event, which we organized with Colectiva Identidad Marrón in Argentina. We focus on feminism and racism, whether they were uh, causes that are aligned or causes that are fighting against each other in this country. Colectiva Identidad Marrón is an organization that fights structural racism. It is trying to highlight the differential treatment that indigenous women, indigenous collectives and communities in Argentina are having in front of the state, how the state as well as the media culture and even international media and the way international affairs um, is seen and engaging with Argentina is seeking to uh, bring privilege to white Argentinans and not really showcasing the pluridiversity inside this nation. Pluridiversity in terms of ancestral roots in terms of indigenous communities, in terms of migrant people that are still living in dire conditions in this country, and how uh, police authorities and state and government's efforts are invisibilizing and targeting as well uh, people of color in this part of the world. Listening to Sandra Hoyos and Shana Mamani, which were our panelists yesterday, they are both um, sociology and, po and poetry majors. They have been activists for quite some time, just recently taking part of this collective, was very uncomfortable. And I guess that's normal when we are bringing these conversations to the table. It was uncomfortable because it, even for me as a person of color and for many others that were joining the webcast, um, we were posed with several questions that we often do not even ask ourselves in the activist movements. And the questions come as easily as it can be. How are we constructed? What we were taught since our family, since our community, since our birth, that our gender identity, our race identity, our national identity was. Who we are really? And how are we basing our value depending on an external point system that is reproduced and is legitimized by media, culture, and even government policies and public policies. How much of our identity is our own? Where are the spaces where we can relearn or deconstruct who we were taught that we were? Where are the safe spaces to have these uncomfortable conversations? 
with the other and even people of color how are we defining the other the whiteness in the other and where are the spaces for white people or white color people to redefine themselves outside of privilege outside of this colonial power system outside of history in itself that is running through their veins and even outside this structural matrix that even at the conscious and unconscious level tells them that they are already valuable I was really taken aback by this whole conversation yesterday of thinking how strong, how powerful is this matrix on our lives. And how when we want to fight against this matrix, we fall trapped into that. We are, have been, at least in Western societies, and I'm just going to talk about my point of view because I know not everybody shares it. And I understand that there are many realities and you probably have a different reality. So in this part, I will share my view I feel like I was taught and raised in a culture of violence and I was taught that violence was the way that you get things done and violence is the way that others are more powerful or gain money or you know go to places through violence as a Puerto Rican woman, I've been taught that I should stay silent in a room of white women or white men, that I should feel less than. Implicitly and explicitly, I'm telling this, because even at the implicit behavior, the colonial mindset plays a part. And some of you already have listened to that previous episode that I recorded, which was like very difficult for me to record because it was so complex to understand and, and to tell you all the road of getting out of the colonial mindset is still a process. It is not something that you just take a three-day retreat wellness, race sensitivity training, and then suddenly you just stop being colonial or, or colonized and or you stop being racist, even with a colonial mindset, you can be racist toward other people. It is not something like with an identity that that gives you like immunity to experience other types of power dynamics, you know? And This culture of violence 
is so deeply ingrained that even in the feminist movements here in Mexico that I've been getting to know more and with the documentary map I see it as well is the way is the way that we are trying to solve issues is through violence because we are right and the other is wrong and we want to prove the other that what he's doing is wrong because they are trying to invisibilize us all the time and they are not seeing us so therefore we need to talk in their language but then that language implies using violence to get our points across and the cycle repeats itself and I don't think that's healthy and yesterday when we were discussing the, to the topic of spaces China was you know uh, kept repeating several um, several phrases you know where are the spaces where these voices are being heard who gets to say what and why whose voices whose faces whose colors are being legitimized in certain spaces and why you know like start asking us ourselves these questions start rethinking our way of construction of social construction of social order what we were taught to normalize because this is how things are what we were taught that is okay to not even bother to not even bring you know visibility to because it's like who cares you know like this question that continues going over and over during this campaign I've like being haunted by this question it's like who cares you know if, what if nobody cares you know sharing this documentary like it's not the first time that you have shared a documentary that you have worked in a documentary and nobody you know pays attention or nobody sees its value you know I did it in 2011 I did it in 2013 with Echo del Exilio and Haiti Espera and this is my third production and I'm still being haunted with that question and yesterday I got the ultimate reminder the ultimate reminder is where are the spaces where are the will power the courage to see yourself in the mirror and say this is important my voice is important my existence is important my color of skin my curly hair my way of thinking even if it really bothers other people even if it's you know weird even if it's very difficult to understand it's important where are we resignifying our value why are we giving so much power to that question who cares you know like who cares nobody cares what if you caring in itself 
is enough. What a marvelous statement would that be? You caring about your existence, about your experience, your human experience, about the changes that you are wanting to see in the world, about the value that you bring to the table, about your own creations, your way of thinking, your way of acting, your projects, your research, the way that you do your things. What if you find value and importance on that? Regardless if your community, regardless if the international community doesn't see it, what if you start what if you do find value in yesterday's event there was these white women that shared her story with us um she was a bit shy and trembling in her voice she did not turn on the camera and she was saying you know she's 53 years old she is a white argentinian woman and she is getting to know about race and wanting to find you know ways that she can help but she was telling us in a very nervous way that she was feeling threatened and she was feeling like there could not be safe spaces for her to do so because she was, you know, being confronted or, or felt, you know, shamed because of her whiteness or because of her oblivion, you know, or her ignorance. And at one point, when she was sharing the question, she just turned the camera on <laughs> and very briefly waved at us. And she was very thankful that we opened the space and that we allow her to talk. And we allow her to give her, you know, like to give her own, her own question and to share her story. And I was so amazed, like so amazed. Because there are many readings onto that, you know, like there are so many readings about spaces, about, you know, timing, about whether or not white women or white men are, when they are engaging with racial justice claims or racial justice forums, they are trying to, you know, you, you know, to take um, propriety, I think is in the name, like to, to take a the leading voice because that's what they're accustomed to in in this language or in these uh, spaces or these topics but what i saw was the need there is a need for common ground and i felt at crossroads because i feel it with the feminist movements Feminist movements serve a purpose and collectives serve a purpose. They help women to be seen. They help women to find shared values. They, find, they help women to connect and form bonds, you know, in alliance, sisterhood, to move forward change. We can call different 
varieties of feminism, you know, liberal feminists together and, you know, radical feminists talking to each other and post-colonial feminists talking about X, Y, Z, etc. Like, there are several ways of groups and movements and ways of behaving and each collective, each group has its own power dynamics. And they all serve a purpose during several times. I understand that the same, I think, in parallel, I wouldn't dare to say that it's the same, but like in parallel, we can find similarities with the racial justice movements and the climate justice movements. You know, they have their own dynamics, their own ways, but it's people coming together and finding common ground, you know, working in tribes. And, and I was thinking, wow, is there a way that we can build bridges? with the other that seems to have the power, that seems to have the, the, the leading voice, that seems to have the, po the power, the money, the resources, the privilege. Can we build a bridge? Not to get to the other side, not to invite them over to our side. Maybe in the future, we can reach that point, but at this point in time where we are finding with this pandemic so much polarization, so much hatred, so much division, can we find the willpower to build bridges and to meet in the middle? Meet in the middle. It is not about me trying to tell you what's right or what's wrong, or you try to tell me or try to impose me that I've been wrong all my life because of X, Y, Z, or, you know, because I've been taught history wrong and you are the only one with the correctness or the correct way to act, you know, like, it's not about that. It's can we meet in the middle and talk what from yours what from mine point of view help us build something new because the systems are falling I'm very exoteric here and probably you know if you're following me on my personal account on Instagram you know that sometimes I bring spirituality and I've not bring it too much in our podcast because I wanted to keep it, you know, international relations. And, you know, there's this separation suddenly about spirituality and politics, which I think that is like one of the reasons why there's so so much corruption is because, you know, politics doesn't have spirituality. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about finding international relations and the way that we relate around the world it's all interconnected in the spiritual realm, in the earth realm, and in the human realm, and many others, if you add. What is our disposition? What is our desire? How strong is our commitment for change? Can we build bridges? 
can we create safe spaces for these hard conversations to come across or are we continuing talking to one another all the time hearing the same thing over and over again between us in encouraging this view that it is us versus them because they are not interested in learning us they're not interested in recognizing us therefore we need to fight them but are we bringing possibilities are we bringing opportunities are we opening the doors are we opening ourselves for dialogues to come across even if they are hard even if they're so difficult to have are we opening up for them to happen or are we preparing ourselves for a new inquisition you know for changing you know this the 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 wheel you know like 180 degrees it's like if you were doing this i'm just gonna do that and now is the way things are you know once again culture of violence us versus them this war-like view of the world i'm right and you're wrong and i'm gonna prove it you know <laughs> And I understand that there's so much violence coming from the other side. I get it. It's not like we are doves and they are doves, you know, like there's violence in everywhere, in each other. I don't know if we can apply here to go high while they go low, you know, the quote by Michelle Obama. I don't know if you want to apply that here, but you already know at this point in your life, if you're hearing this, if you're you know, watching international relations and studying wars and conflicts, probably you already have known throughout history that violence it's not the way. Violence ingrains more violence. It is a cycle. It doesn't stop until you put an end to it. Until you decide at any point in this cycle, I want to change course. And that's the last thing that I'm going to share with you. Yesterday, we were talking about change. We need to change the system. You know, there needs to be changes in budgets, in uh, um, po public policy, in cultural behaviors, in media coverages. There needs to be a lot of changes. And I was wondering, yeah, there needs to be a lot of changes out there. What is happening to the changes within? Are we welcoming change within us or are we resisting change within us? Are we 
engaging in these conversations towards you know feminism or gender equality or racism or putting a stop to racism or whatever are we engaging in these hard line conversations understanding that we also need to change that we are changing each time that we are reproducing xyz kind of knowledge are we resisting the change on others are we resisting to believe that the other can change are we resisting social change because it is frightening because we doubt in our ability to push through to commit yes if the system will fall am i confident that i will do my part to build something new and stop victimizing myself or victimizing others or other populations thinking that they do not have a voice or do not have a say or do not have any capacity to embrace what's to come what is our relationship with change that's the biggest question that i want to invite you to take out of this short episode this is a crucial a crucial question and it is so crucial because change is the only constant of the human experience you can only count as things will change that even if you hold on tight to the status quo to the same routines to the same things over and over again you are still every waking moment changing your body is changing your way of thinking may not change but your body is changing your cells are moving your skin is you know um dying you know there's dead cells in the face you have to exfoliate <laughs> that's the only constant just like in nature things are born things grow and they die Are we open to the change that you want to see in the world? Or are we resisting change at the collective level? Because we are not sure about how we are handling change within us or how that collective change may affect us 
Are we prepared for the social change that we want to see? Are we really deep inside prepared to take part, to be consistent, to commit, to have the willpower every day, to practice the willpower every day, to choose whether to go back to harmful ways of thinking, harmful way of behaving, harmful ways of working everything through violence, or choosing to evolve, choosing this incendiary notion of love. Are we suffering? How long are we suffering? Because we are resisting change. Are we suffering? How long are we suffering? Because we want others to change but they are not doing it like we want them to. Why? Why are you suffering? Can we change our outlook? Can we change our way of responding, our way of reacting, our way of planning change that doesn't cultivate violence, that doesn't cultivate hatred, that doesn't cultivate separation, division, mistrust to the other, and that perhaps, hopefully, builds bridges, even if no one shows up. I've been doing hope circles since the quarantine started with my Lumina blog. Only two people show up in July. I did it in August, I did it in September, and nobody showed up, nobody registered. And I was wondering, well, nobody wants to talk about hope. <laughs> I even recorded a previous episode on the podcast on this. But you know what? I kept on organizing it. I have an upcoming one at the end of this month. And I will continue organizing it because I know deep inside what I offer and what I need. And this is basics of nonviolent communication. First things that they teach you in nonviolent communication is to be aware and to be very clear about what are your wants and what are your needs. So you can, from a space of clarity, establish connection, establish dialogue with the other that you're asking your... Um, 
to to help you in some way or to change something in some way, you know? Are you willing to take any road of change that is not suffering that perhaps other people around you may see like this is stupid why are you doing this are you willing to care about the change that you want to see are you willing to find value in what you have to offer in the spaces that you open in the projects that you deliver, in the messages that you create and that you share. Even if at this present moment, nobody shows up. Will you still build a bridge? Will you harbor hope or will you harbor fear amidst this crucial time? I want to thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. I know it's different than previous that we have been recording, but I found a very strong need to share with you this message and to share with you these questions because yesterday I saw why I'm putting an end to Ser Mujer en Latinoamérica documentary map. It served a purpose in my life, but I want to dedicate to something different. I want to dedicate myself to build a new world, whatever it is. And I want to honor this production by sharing with you all the different narratives, the different actions, the different testimonials of gender-based violence in the region, and hopefully invite you to look at more and close uh, uh, about close to 700 testimonials and ideas of peace initiatives for gender equality and for the elimination of violence against women these projects holds the key of violence and peace and I'm closing a chapter with this documentary. I'm opening a new one afterwards. And I feel a sense of relief. I feel a sense of pain as well. And I feel a sense of rendition, of surrendering. Surrender this project to be whatever it is meant to be. 
because I am not the same woman that started this documentary three, four years ago. I have changed. And yesterday I got reminded that I need to stop resisting the woman that I'm becoming. And I need to stop thinking that nobody should care. I care. And I want to thank all of you, whoever is listening to this podcast. We are a very small group. I want to thank you for caring enough to press the play button to this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope that you can take something good out of this episode or anything that we've been working so far. That's the biggest lesson that I've been reminded this week. The value doesn't come from outside, it comes from within. And this podcast is valuable to me. It has helped me share my voice. The documentary has helped other women as well. Find value in your life. Place your own sense of value to whatever you do. Do not leave it to others. Define and redefine yourself constantly. You are your best friend. You are your own divinity. Cherish it. Thank you so much for joining in. Talk to you soon.